The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Dave O. The Royals kind of salvaged the weekend as they do win the series, breaking their five-series losing streak, edging the Atlanta Braves in 13 innings. It's Dave O. Glad you're along for another edition of Your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. And if you're like, why is he not more excited? We just had a walk-off home run and won a series. Well... I expected and wanted a sweep coming into the series. That's well publicized throughout Twitter and throughout here on your dish with Clubhouse Conversation. But you know, on top of that, it's just the things that continue to happen, like mental blunders, for example, which we'll talk about here coming up in just a few minutes. You know, key guys from last year not producing at the level we expect. I mean, you know, the opponent that the Royals had today who literally tried to give them the game time and time again. And I'm still a little bit upset about that. Replay not being overturned in the ninth inning also. That would have given the Royals another run. So all those things combined, you know. And we'll start with our player of the game before we preview the Boston Red Sox, who are white hot right now. Our player of the game today. You've got several options. There's the one who uh, on most days would be the player of the game, and that is Alcides Escobar, who goes four for six with an RBI, two runs, stolen base, and makes some great plays on defense. Eski should have had two doubles. Before the game, I tweeted at Royals Clubhouse that he would have two extra base hits and a single today and get three hits. Well, I was wrong about both aspects. I said three hits, he got four. I said two doubles, he got one, but it should have been two on a play that I have no idea how it wasn't overturned and called a double in that Royals ninth when he drove in the run, and it ended up being a big play when Wade Davis blew the save. Would have given the Royals a thir- uh, you know a third run, a three-run lead there instead of two. More on that coming up in a little bit. But, you know, Escobar most days would be the player of the game. It's not him. So you're like, okay, it must be Kendrys, right? No, not Kendrys, who hits the game-winning walk-off two-run homer in the 13th after almost going yard earlier in the game during one of the Royals' mental mistakes from today that we'll get to. No, not Kendrys. It's Scott Alexander, the guy I'm choosing today. You're like, Scott Alexander, Davo. Escobar, Morales, how can you choose Scott Alexander? Well, Scott Alexander, let's go back here about 24 hours, not even 24 hours. Last night, around 8 o'clock, Scott Alexander came in and threw an inning and two-thirds for the Royals. So an inning and two-thirds yesterday. Comes back less than 24 hours later and gives the Royals three scoreless innings to hold the Braves and get the Royals the opportunity to win that game in the 13th. And all the Royals had left was Chin Ming Wong, who came in, obviously, and got his second Royals win right after that. So Alexander was basically able to hold the Braves, give the Royals a chance to win, and save the bullpen. I mean, what little was left. This was essentially an entire bullpen day, because I don't see Danny Duffy as a long-term rotation candidate. So basically, you threw your entire bullpen today. Literally, the entire bullpen <laughs> pitched today, right? And there will be a roster move. Most likely, Scott Alexander, I would think, sent back down since he wouldn't be available tomorrow. And the Royals will need a long man and some arms, especially with the red-hot juggernaut Boston Red Sox offense coming to town. So most likely, Alexander with options does so well that he gets moved back down for 10 or 15 days at least. Such is the life of being that 25th guy with options, right? But yeah, three scoreless innings for Scott Alexander. And that's just so impressive to me after yesterday throwing an inning in two-thirds. So if he gives up anything, the Royals probably lose the game, which would be devastating to lose a series to the Atlanta Braves, who have only won one series the entire season. 
That would have been devastating after what the Royals were coming off of, losing, what, 13 of 18, 14 of 18? That would have been devastating for the Royals. It really would have. You can't lose the series. You sure as hell should have swept it, but you certainly can't lose it. And again, there's the smart Alex out there. I heard from a couple of them today on Twitter. <laughs> Is the season over now if they didn't sweep? <laughs> Guess it's over, huh? Not what I said. I said it's a must-sweep series, realistically, if you want to win the division. And I stand by that statement. Because, yes, you have, like I say, the 19 games left against the White Sox and, what, 16, 15 against Cleveland and on and on. You know, but three against Boston or seven against Boston, actually. But that's the whole point. You have all these good teams. A, it's an opportunity, but B, you have to play like 580 ball the rest of the way if you keep losing these kind of games and series to teams like the Braves and losing three out of four to the Yankees. And, you know, you keep losing these to teams that you should be beating when you see a soft spot of the schedule that gives you no margin for error later. So, yes, you know, literally, no, it wasn't a must-sweep series. It wasn't even a must-win two out of three series if you want to go in literal terms. I'm not, I've never argued that. I pointed that out at the time. Realistically, though, you had to at least win the series if not sweep it. I mean, you just can't keep dropping games because you have one more 2-8 and eight stretch, you're done. Because you're pushing 10 games under 500. You ain't coming back from that, as the Royals proved in 2013. Look how far back they got at the All-Star break and the best record in the major leagues in the second half and still don't make the playoffs. So the point is, you can't just... And who says that the Royals, with all these injuries, having 40% of the rotation out and, you know, we don't know. Other guys are I know are, are, are playing nicked up right now that aren't well publicized. I mean, who's to say the Royals are even capable of doing that against these really good teams? So I just think it's, it's a very... A very worrisome thing to not think these games aren't very important right now. They're all the same in theory because they're all, they all count as the same. They're 162. You know, I've never been one that says a game in April is less important than a game in September. They all do count the same towards the standings. You want to win 93 of them. That's always been the goal for me. 93 guarantees you the playoffs, either the division or gets you in as a wild card. Most likely wins the division, although the White Sox, who knows. But if you're going to get there, you've got to take care of business. So that's my thoughts on all that. But anyway, back on track uh, to Scott Alexander. Retires 9 of 10 with 4K. It's just a beautiful job. And that ended a long day of great pitching with Chen Ming Wong coming in and getting the win. I mean, you, let's go back and start from the beginning. All these guys deserve mention today. Danny Duffy goes three strong innings right at his pitch count there. No runs on one hit, two walks, five Ks. Nice job by Duffy. That's classic Danny Duffy. You know, if he's stretched out, he probably goes five and a third innings in this game, or he throws 90 pitches and, and does about that. Six Ks, three walks, maybe one run. That's classic Danny Duffy, which to me is more valuable out of that bullpen two out of three days from the left side throwing gas at 97 and coming out and dominating two out of three days, especially with some of the guys in the bullpen, such as Joaquin Soria, who are struggling. And even recently, Luke Hochever has been struggling quietly just a little bit. So, But Danny Duffy was really good. Nice job by him today. Peter Moylan, how about that story from Australia, comes in, makes the error to start off the second inning in the bunt. Otherwise, one-plus innings, two Ks for Peter Moylan. believe he stays up versus Alexander because he'd be available again tomorrow where Alexander wouldn't. Uh, I guess Brian Flynn could be the one that goes down as well if you wanted to do that. He comes in and cleans up uh, for Moylan there in that fifth inning with a 1-2-3 job, a K included. Luke Kochaver wobbles a tiny bit, gives up two hits in his scoreless inning, strikes out two. Joaquin Soria is shaky as heck, and if you listen to these episodes on a fairly regular basis, you know that I'm consistently going off on Royals fans for booing Joaquin Soria, which I still would do. I would still go off on Royals fans for booing Joaquin Soria, because in my opinion, he's still a Royals Hall of Famer. You know, Barring him just totally tainting it this year and next year and the year after that, I mean... I don't know, but 
I'm to the point now for as patient as I've been with him, you know, not only saying don't boo him and go on a rampage about that, but also saying, oh, there's the balls were hit soft. Oh, his control got away that one day. Oh, the umpire threw him off with the bot call and took him out of his game. Like I'm making, I've, I've made excuses, and I'll admit that. I've been a Soria apologist as much as anyone in Royals Nation. I'm done with him in key situations. Even today, getting out of it, he gets up the one hit and one inning, the leadoff double. He was bailed out by horrible Atlanta Braves base running. And that's what I mean earlier when I said the Braves tried to hand this game away a few times. You know, Malik Smith made an awful base running play between first and second to look at the Royals out of an inning. And that the inning there where Soria came in, they got the runner between second and third to get the out, which ended up, you know, costing the Braves a run. I mean, Soria has just not been good. There's no other way around it. We're getting enough of a sample size for him now, and we're deep enough in the season, and the Royals, like I keep saying, don't have a lot of rope left if they want to win this division. they got to get back on track, and you can't keep running him out there. And today's, today's different. I understand that. You had to pitch everybody today. But I'm just saying going forward, I would prefer to, that Joaquin Soria becomes kind of what Chin Ming Wong has become, which is more of the guy you pitch when you're behind or tied or – you know, a mop-up type game. I would prefer to see Danny Duffy out there in a sixth or seventh inning role, along with Herrera, Hochaver, and Davis, and then plug in Soria after that. I mean, he, he can stay ahead of Wong. He always will. I'm realistic. They aren't, the Royals aren't going to put Chin Ming Wong ahead of him, nor should they, realistically. But Soria should not be anything higher than your fifth option, in my opinion, out of the Royals' bullpen. Kelvin Herrera comes in, gives up one hit and a K in his inning. Wade Davis, the cyborg, he, he's a human? His first blown saves has becoming... Full-time Royals closer, one inning, two runs, three hits, a K and a walk. I mean, and out of all the teams or all the games it would have happened in, you go back to getting out of first and third jams against Toronto last year in the playoffs and all these different games, the Braves would be the team, and it wasn't a one-run lead, it was a two-run lead. Out of all the teams that could have been in all the situations, nobody would have put money in the Braves being the ones that ended that streak for Wade Davis. Didn't look real sharp today, but you know what? He hasn't been getting regular work either. When you're pitching every five to seven days, you know that could be some of it. I've had mild concerns about his health throughout the season. That could be part of it. More likely, it's just not being used enough and having an off day. Nothing to be, uh, you know, overly concerned about there. So that's no big deal. Then Scott Alexander comes in like we already talked about him enough. Chen Ming Wong, ERA now at three three eight after a scoreless inning. Even though Royals fans make it sound like on Twitter that this guy's like Jonathan Sanchez or Ricky Batalico for those who go way back. The guy has a three three eight ERA out of the bullpen, and people are saying they should DFA him. Really? You know, and there's the hate towards Omar Infante in the right field slot. You know, those those positions need to improve. And it, but again, it, it's magnified that that your fifth or sixth guy in the bullpen who has a three three eight ERA or you know your right field second base combo. It's only magnified because the team's struggling, and the team is struggling not because of those guys. Chen Ming Wong has nothing to do with the Royals struggling. Infante and Dyson Orlando to a small degree do, but again, it's the guys like Morales. The guys like Kane, the guys like Escobar, the guys like Gordon, who have not been consistent throughout the year, who you're relying on to carry you. Moose going down with an injury. Those are the reasons the Royals are struggling. The fact that 40% of their rotation is on the DL, and when those 40% were pitching, they were getting lit up. Those are the reasons the Royals are where they're at. Not Chin Ming Wong, who has a 3-3-8 ERA as the kind of your toss-away reliever, and not 
necessarily Infante and Dyson. And I mean, those guys have a small part of it. I'm not saying they don't. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't just not improve it, because obviously you should if you have the resources to do it. And the Royals do have some intriguing options in the minor leagues. Even a guy like Raymond Fuentes is down there, who we saw earlier, your opening day right fielder. But, you know, Brett Eibner is sure on fire right now. Jorge Bonifacio. So you've got options in the outfield. Whit Merrifield can play both the infield and that field, including second base, his natural position, swiping bases. Every day, it seems like down there in Omaha, having a nice year. So there are some options, and, and, I, and the Royals are aware of that. Chesler Cuthbert could slide over. I don't see it happening right away. You know, they, they tried him at second base as far back as 2013 because I saw him several times at Northwest Arkansas that summer playing. It might have been 14 that year he was playing second. It was 13 or 14. I know he started in 13. I think I saw him there in 13 doing it in second. If not, it was 14, though, either way. I think it was 13, almost positive. But yeah. You know, he, he's a slight possibility, but I see him getting more time in Omaha before that happens. So there you go. Now, offensively, not good again. 11 strikeouts, no walks. My God. That's the last 22 innings then. We're just, I'm not even going to waste my time to go back and get more frustrated. I'm just, the last 22 innings, the Royals have struck out 17 times with no walks. How in the hell... Do you not walk one time in 22 innings against the Atlanta Braves? And granted, the starting pitchers were nice if the Royals faced. Probably a number five last night, probably a number four major league starter today. But plenty of bullpen arms, and just by dumb luck, if you close your eyes and don't swing the ball, the, the bat, you're going to walk probably one out of six at-bats, five at-bats, right? I mean, if you just literally went up there and said, I'm not going to swing no matter what, every five or six at-bats, you're probably going to see four balls. Honest to God, that's probably the truth. If the Royals don't. Don't walk one time in 22 innings. Four for 11 with runners in scoring position doesn't sound awful. You know, it's over pushing 400, right? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there was a little more power today, which was good. You saw the home run from Kendry's. Some doubles. Eski leading off the game. Like I said, should have had another one in the ninth. Dyson, Gordon, and Hosmer also with doubles. One other thing from today before we preview Boston, and it involves Hosmer. And, and again, I'm not trying to call Eric out necessarily. There's a lot of guys, and, and Hosmer's been, been doing nothing but hit, hit, hit this year. He's been great. Him and Moose have been the only two that have been consistent all year for the Royals' offense. And Hosmer continues to play gold glove defense at first. So all around, Hosmer is the Royals' best player right now. No doubt. So I'm not hating on Hosmer. But I'm pointing out some of the things people ask me, you know, why are the Royals, have they lost that killer edge? Are they not the underdogs? Are they just happy winning the World Series and they don't have that? I don't think that's what it is. For whatever reason, though, I don't feel like this team is mentally in a lot of games. That's two days in a row Eric Hosmer has made horrible base running plays that have cost the Royals runs. Last night, he's yapping it up with his boy, Freddie Freeman. They obviously like each other. That's fine. You know, gets picked off first base in the first inning, first and third one out. The Royals don't score because of that. You know, he's sitting over there talking while it happens, and afterwards smiling while they're replaying it. I mean, I don't mean to hate here, but come on, man, you're you're in a crucial stretch of games here, right? You know? I mean, that's just a, mentally not being in the game. It is. It's it's a lack of focus. There's no other way you get picked off first base when you're not planning on stealing a base, first and third, one out in the first inning, while you're talking to the first baseman. Maybe not literally while the pitcher's in the stretch, he wasn't talking to him. But between every single pitch, you're talking. So let's say I don't know what they're talking about. You know, It's human nature, though. It, it, multitasking, most of us aren't as good when we're multitasking. You know, One of the two things we're doing is probably not at our best, and it's going to fall through the cracks. Like That kind of stuff is just not good. Today, bottom of the sixth inning, Kendrys Morales hits a ball that might have been a home run on most days, and it seems like we've been saying that a lot with Kendrys. He really has been robbed this year of about five or six home runs that are like that die against the fence in his defense. But... 
Bottom of the sixth, Kendrys flies out to deep right to Frenchie. Hosmer is sitting on second with one out. If that ball drops from second base, you're standing on the base, you're scoring on that. There's no way Jeff Rancourt, if the ball drops, I know he's got a great arm, you can score from second base to home before that ball gets to, you know, comes in, no matter what. Or you at least have to be within five feet of second base so you can, you know, go back and tag up when Frenchie catches it against the fence. If he's against the fence, you could probably be two or three steps from second base, go back, tag up, and still easily make it to third. Hosmer just stands there halfway and the whole time, never even made an effort to go back. And it wasn't like he was going back and forth. He was just standing there watching it. I don't know if he thought the ball was gone. He definitely didn't lose track of the outs because he would have just been running if he thought there were two outs. So that wasn't it. I just think it was a mental slip. And I'm not just, I don't mean to just pick on Hosmer. Let's go back to that Nationals game on the Thursday when the Royals had that nice walk-off win. You think they're coming back out, maybe turning it around. First three guys that come up reach on errors. It's like, yeah, that's physical. You know, errors, a lot of that's physical. I, you know, when I played baseball through high school and Legion Ball, the coach would a lot of times tell us, I don't care about physical errors. I hate mental errors. And that's kind of where, where I'm at. Like, if you make a physical error, fine. And they're going to happen. But when you come out in the top of the first inning and make three consecutive errors on routine plays, when you make base running blunders, starts of games, middle of games, it's just, you know, and those are just a couple examples. There's tons of these guys. I mean, Lorenzo Cain trying to rip off third base on the last homestand with two outs and getting thrown out. Like, these are just mental. Everyone on the team's doing them. This is the reason the Royals are losing games. That and the fact, obviously, that the offense isn't quite clicking and that the starting pitching has been bad from 40% of the rotation until recently, you know, with those guys being hurt. So that's your answers right there, in a nutshell, in my opinion. The Boston Red Sox come in, man. They're red hot. What, eight of their last 11? 10 over 500? And just hitting the cover off the baseball. Let's go through here and look at the scores recently. You might want to cover your ears right here. Let's go through and look at the scores of the Boston Red Sox recently. Put up eight today. Nope, that's May 1st, sorry. Put up 10 today. <laughs> sorry. They put up 10 today. Six yesterday, six the day before, 11 the day before, 13 the day before, 13 the day before, 14 the day before, five the day before, two the day before that, two, seven, five, one, eight. The Boston Red Sox have scored five runs or more in the month of May every game but three. Five or more every game but three. That is insane. Up and down that lineup, Betts, Bogarts, Pedroia. Ortiz, on and on, Ramirez. I mean, that, that is Hanley, not Manny. That is a stacked lineup. My God, this is going to be a tough series. And the Red Sox can throw some pretty good pitching at you. The Royals see their version of Steady Eddie would be Rick Porcello, if you want to look at their number three. Uh, you know, they're coming in. Rick Porcello tomorrow night, 6-1 and one with a 3-1-1 against your Donna Ventura, 3-2 with a 4-6-2. Ventura, so-so, good. I mean, he's good. You got to say he's good. Only struck out one, though, which really, or two, which really made me nervous. Six innings, three runs against the Yankees on Wednesday. Porcello went six and two thirds, allowed three runs on six hits against Oakland his last time out. And Porcello's been steady. Last three starts, seven, seven, six and two thirds, zero, three, and three allowed with six, five, and five Ks. So Porcello, most likely tomorrow, will go seven innings. And most likely, he'll give up two runs, maybe three. That's just what he is. Seven innings, two, three runs. 
If he's been getting six, five, and five strikeouts, Orioles might strike out 30 times, even though it's not possible. Just joking. I'm just bitter about the strikeouts recently. <sighs> Orioles have seen him a lot. They do have some good numbers, by the way. Lorenzo Kane in 13 at bats lifetime against Porcello is 385. Gordo, 303 and 33 at bats. Haas, 346 and 26 at bats. And he and Alex both have two home runs off of Porcello, by the way. Kendry's. And Escobar, the only two that have really struggled against him. Kendrys, 118 and 17 at bats. Eski, 176 in 34 at bats. No Boston has seen Ventura more than seven at bats. All right, now, game two. Who do I like in game one? Boston. Game two, David Price, Ian Kennedy. Toss up game to me. Ian Kennedy has been better than David Price so far, but David Price is still David Price. And I know that you look at the data, the swings and misses are down. The velocity is not what it is. I mean, there's things you can you look at the advanced metrics, and you but you, you can also look at the ERA, and it's horrible. Six even, five and one, six even for Price. Four and three, three two five for Kennedy. Now Price though does come off of a great outing against Houston. He went six and two thirds, gave up one, struck out twelve. So the Royals are seeing a couple of strikeout pitchers. Well, one strikeout pitcher and one guy, I wouldn't call Porcello a strikeout pitcher, but Porcello's a guy that can get you strikeouts, and Price certainly when he's on as a strikeout pitcher. Low Kane, 364 and 11 at bats with a home run against Price. Christian Colon, 3 for 6. Salvi, 3 for 9 with a home run. Hosmer, just 2 for 11. The Royals know him very well from the playoffs, him being Price, by the way. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. It'll be interesting to see if Rusty Koontz and company have found anything else where he's tipping pitches or tipping when he's coming home. You know, if you read that SI article, it was so interesting about how the Royals had spent all that time scouting, and that, and that gave him the edge. Knowing the changeups were coming, he was tipping his pitches in the changeup, just knowing he wasn't going to throw the first. Interesting. Kennedy gave up three home runs at Yankee Stadium, six and a third, seven runs. Should have been much better than that, as I said, but then again, he maybe it shouldn't because he was pitching at Yankee Stadium. He was pitching here, so two of the three home runs were Yankee Stadium varieties. Only three Red Sox have seen him. Hanley Ramirez, man, three for 21, struggling big time. Josh Rutledge. Five for 16 with the home run. Ryan Hannigan is two for eight. Rutledge has been playing, by the way, with Pedroia being a bit banged up. Oh, I forgot to mention that, you know, Travis Shaw is also a stud in that Red Sox lineup. <laughs> Should I keep going? I mean, <laughs> I've already named seven, seven of the nine. God, it's going to be a tough series. I think, the, I don't know. I give Boston game one. I'll give the Royals an edge in game two slightly, but it's tough to say that right now. Stephen Wright, Edinson, Volquez, Game 3. I'm going to pick Boston 2 out of 3 in this series. It, it's a stretch to say the Royals are going to beat David Price, the way the offense is going right now, and the way that I think he's going to continue to trend upward. They're probably not catching him in a great time. I like Boston in the first two. We'll give the Royals Game 3, though. Game 3, I think the Royals have a pretty good advantage. They face a knuckleballer, though, who's been good, for the most part, outside of his last start. Stephen Wright, right-hander, knuckleballer, 3-3 three and three with a 2.36 ERA against Edinson, Volquez, 4-3 and three with a 3.51. Wright, Comes off of four and a third, five runs against Houston. But that's been it. Besides that, six straight outings of six or more before that. The Royals have only seen him once, by the way. Nobody owning more than three career at-bats against him. Eddie comes in seven innings against Atlanta. One run on six hits. Only two Red Sox have seen him double digits. Hanley Ramirez, three for 13. Josh Rutledge, five for 12. So there you go. I like Boston two out of three in this series. I like him in game one, almost for sure. I like the Royals almost for sure in game three. Game two, to me, would be the toss-up game. Of the series, let's hope the Royals can surprise me and come out and pick two, you know, to pick up two out of three. But the, again, guys, this is why I say things like, well, and, and I don't normally say this, but this is why I said the Braves is a must sweep series. You got to go four and two in this homestand after a dreadful three weeks of baseball, after not winning back to back games since April twenty second. 
And the Royals still haven't done that. They'll try to do that again tomorrow. We're going on a month since the Royals have won back-to-back games. So, you know, this, this is my point. When people laugh and say, oh, ha, 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 you said it's a must-sweep. The season must be over. <laughs> when people say that, you're an idiot because... <laughs> Because yes, obviously the season's not over. I never, I never said the season was over. A, but B, I did say if the Royals weren't to win the division, you know, again, yeah, you get all these games, but you drop the games against the Braves. Now you're facing the freaking Boston lineup, which I just told you has scored five or more runs like every game but three this month. They're red hot. You face a Cy Young winner and David Price, who is coming off a game where he struck out 12. you got Porcello, who strikes out seven a game, who has an ERA in the low threes. And then you've got Steven Wright, who's got a 2-3. I mean, so you laugh all you want, but you know now you have to take two out of three against Boston. So yeah, technically you didn't have to sweep the Braves, but how nice would it have been to be three and zero right now against the worst team in baseball and needing just one win to have a successful homestand? Now you got to get two out of three because if you you know lose two out of three, great, you're still two games under five hundred. What good is that going to do for you? That's not even true. Be, no, that would be true. Yeah, they'd be two games under five hundred. All right, that's enough for tonight. We'll be back again tomorrow night on Clubhouse Conversation. Go Royals.